0: This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, onto the show. Cloudcast Media presents. From
1: the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delft and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world.
0: Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of The Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the OpenStack Summit here in Atlanta. We've had a multiple set of guests and and, and co-hosts in the chair this week. Uh, this is Aaron, and I'm joined with returning OpenStack Summit, uh, you know, semi-regular guest, Ken, Kenneth Hoy. Ken, how you doing, dude? Good,
2: good. I think <laughs> I've I be, being Nick Beaver now as the... As the uh, person with the most co-hosts ever. Yeah, yeah you, you definitely have to be. I think I think you've outlasted everyone
0: at That's this right. point over Under the, the own, years. No one else pay me to do anything different.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so today we have Brian Stevens, uh, CTO at Red Hat. Uh, how are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. Kind of jump right into it here of, first of all, we've got a decently technical audience. One of the number one things I always want to he- hear from people is like, I want to go be a CTO someday. So you are a CTO, and a CTO of a you know a nice sized company here, <laughs> putting it very mildly. And so tell us a little bit about kind of your career path progression. Any kind of
1: career advice for the budding CTOs uh, out there? <laughs>
2: sure, 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 sure.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, at Red Hat, I mean, it was interesting. It wasn't really a here's this role. It's called the CTO here's a job description, get hired and go do that. It really was more of something that was really more reflective of what I was accomplishing at Red Hat with my relationships with different people and with the industry. And really the this the CTO title came along after really just as a demarcation of something that I was already doing. So it wasn't... You know, and I think that's that's interesting to think about. And I think when you sort of what is that, what are those things that you're doing that actually is considered classified as a CTO? It's different in every company. I think in most companies, the CTO role is one of um, standards, for looking technology. And I think Red Hat looks at it a little bit differently. Um, you know, we want a really active, involved, you know, engineering. Uh, team but it 's how do you connect them with the problem they 're solving and I think that 's the fundamental thing that most CTOs are so technology heavy and they 're not quite as connected with the business and customers and I think that 's something that me personally and at Red Hat is most important about what that role is and so it 's really that you know that unification of the engineering team with the lines of business and sure. with the customers and getting clarity around around that and so for me it was just like growing up as a technologist is is getting you got to be passionate about something and, and being passionate about the next generation technologies realizing that um it is fundamentally broken and if you can accept that that it's fundamentally broken then it means that great how do we make it better what are the problems with it you know what projects you know what companies are involved and how do you actually you know, advance the ball in a really profound way rather than just in an iterative way. Right. And then chasing those projects and, and growing and learning along the way and um and uh you know getting out of, getting out of the shell that I think a lot of engineers are often are. You know. And that yeah it's a fantastic point because
0: I you know I've I've coached some folks in the past on, on their careers. Not that, you know, my career has has had the best trajectory either and, and I'm the ultimate person to give advice, but the number one bit of advice I've always given is So a lot of people, yeah, they come in from a very technology-focused, very engineering-focused thing, and you'll kind of be evaluating some solutions, and they'll kind of go, well, this one's got the best technology, so this has to be it. And you're like, eh, you know, what's the business drivers? What's the – you know, and that's more of exactly that, of broadening your mindset and going from an engineering focus to more of a business-level focus and and really taking in big picture, and that's where the true – solutions architecture. I think that's
1: right. Play. I think that's right. And I, I think you get that by, to be honest, walking in customer's shoes. So yeah. I think some of the people that are most impactful that probably have done a tour of duty, you know, yeah. as a, not just a, you know, vendors have a set of blinders on in most cases, right? You, you know, being a customer and being a receiver, I mean, you learn a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've never had, had that opportunity, but spending time, Ton of time with Facebook, with Amazon, with Goldman Sachs, with yep. Morgan Stanley, with the federal government, you know, and really understanding not just like talking about products, but how do they spend their day? You right. know, what are they doing? What are they doing it with? Yep. And what are the what are the pain points in it? And it's 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 pretty telling. I think most yeah. vendors think they've got a problem X, Y, or Z, and really it's completely different once you really get in and understand
2: that. Exactly. So do you find yourself doing a lot of customer type visits or? You
1: yeah, a ton. I think you have to, right? And um, <clears throat> there's two reasons to do that, right? I mean, you help the sales team, you know. So it's executive level of selling. But then the other part is it's really self serving, and for me, you know. And so yeah, I did. I mean, I just got off last week. Was you know spending time um, three days up in Toronto and Ottawa, you know, and just and just you know mixing it up. But yeah, probably you know I, if I don't have ten customer calls or visits a week. Um, that's a surprisingly slow week. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, let's move on from the "everyone wants to
0: be like you" to the "every company wants to be like your company" topic. Of you know, in the OpenStack space, all you all you hear is everyone. Wa- I want to be the Red Hat of
1: OpenStack. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's really flattering, but it's you know, I mean,
0: <laughs> and and. You, and there's been a lot of, of, honestly, very great and very smart moves by Red Hat in this space recently of, you know, you're seeing a lot of acquisitions. You're seeing a lot of, of kind of pieces falling into place. But, you know, what is it like to kind of have that target on your back and also the, the bar that you've already set in another
1: market? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, what got me excited to come to Red Hat 12 years ago um, was the brand. And, you know, I mean, I, th- I think from the outside, I mean, there was, there was only a couple hundred people 12 years ago. But when I came in and stepped through those doors, I thought it was the biggest company on the planet. And then you came in, and you realized it wasn't. And you realized that how it was just really getting started. And so I think 12 years later, that brand is still intact. So that's what's m- most amazing to me is the fact that people are still saying that, and mm-hmm. they're saying that in a in a flattering way. Sure. Right? And I think that it's really hard for a company to keep their brand intact. And so, so the best part about it is, you know, we have that, you know, our customers think about us that way, the community thinks about us that way, and the ecosystem partners think about us in a, in a positive light. You know, so I don't really consider it a target other than just, you know, strength of brand. And then, you know, sure, when it comes to OpenStack specifically, it's such a massive opportunity in the industry that I don't think anybody's going to give that away, Sure, right? Nobody's going to anoint somebody to come in and say, you go take it and you run with it. It's too big of a ship. Like, what even, even the most unnatural act I've ever seen is HP deciding that they're going to be in the OpenStack business. It doesn't make a lot of sense from a customer perspective, but the opportunity is so big, you can't blame them. Right. for trying. Right? Sure. And so, so for us, the red hat of something is, um, I think that we've internalized what that means. I think some people will say it means you win. But for us, it's like, what are all the comprehensive things that you have to do to really be the red hat of something? And the technology is the easiest part. Right. right? And so mm-hmm. that's the, it's what are all those other elements? It's like, how do you get, you know, how do you actually really work with customers? How do you drive roadmap? How do you have services and training? And how do you really work with everybody in the ecosystem is the most important part so that when you deploy solutions, everything works with every partner so that the real innovation isn't in the core of OpenStack. It's everything that's happening around it. And then how do you, like, catalyze that in a customer environment so they can take advantage of all the great technologies around it and everything works? That, to me, is not an engineering problem. And that's the hardest problem of, I think, what it means to be the red hat of something. and, And you need scale to be able to deliver that. Yep. Agreed. Agreed.
0: So let's take that one step further. So we, we, we talked about OpenStack specifically, but kind of what does really, in your eyes, the future of the data center look like? And, and, there, and let me put some context to that question. You know, in my, in my experience, yeah, the, you've got this very traditional infrastructure that could be bare metal, has kind of grown into virtualization, has a very traditional application workload that quite frankly doesn't fit in a private cloud environment because it doesn't have any dynamic aspects to it right? right and it doesn't grow it doesn't shrink it's just steady state and then you have the private cloud for you know and its use cases and you have the public cloud and its use cases is the future of the data center a, a three legged stool
1: i don't think so i mean okay. i think it's going to be for i think it's going to be for uh, a number of years, right? Because sure. these these transitions happen over many years, and I think that's the. It's easy, once again, as a vendor to come in and say and treat everything as a greenfield opportunity, but that's just not how it works, right? I mean, I, you know, one of my last visits was up at Boeing. You walk inside of Boeing's labs; it's crazy. The legacy that they have to deal with, and they will always be dealing with that legacy. It's because you know applications drive the bus, and and I think for so long, um, you know that that's really, you know. Given IT managers, not a lot of flexibility, and so I think that the future of the data center is never like we're sweeping it clean or we're starting over. But I think the future leading platform to deploy, like we look at it right now, you know, from a from a Linux perspective, you know, that's the strategic platform that people deploy on today. Doesn't mean everything's on Linux. Certainly not. Right? You know, you know, large degree of Windows over fifty percent of Windows, and then you know, lots of little pockets of Unix, and that's going to continue but i think that when they move to linux i think that increasingly it's going to be wrapped around an operational architecture right and i think you know we've made our bet i think the industry's made their bet that the operational architecture will be Called cloud, it will be OpenStack, and that's just going to help drive that operational efficiency to be honest, they just don't have today. But you know, right now, that's going to attach to you know if you believe that Linux is 26, 27 percent of the IT data center, it really means that third of the data center is going to get a lot more operationally efficient, sure. as opposed to sweeping everything else clean.
2: Makes sense. It makes sense. So, so you talked, Brian. So you talked about moving, you know, companies moving to the cloud. That's their operational infrastructure. So. But as you said, it's mostly leg- it's all legacy right now, right? How do you, how does Red Hat help them?
1: Well, I think that you know we're in the we we are in the beginning of this. And okay. I think that for a while I I got to admit I'm I'm a little bit surprised because the public cloud moved really quickly, mm-hmm. right? I mean that's what sort of really catalyzed everybody else in the industry to like build these cloud platforms, cloud stacks, open stacks, mm-hmm. you know, um, VMware. What I'm surprised right now though is that as as great of public cloud offerings that there are that customers still say we want to manage our own workload so they want to use that and so and you know and so the conversation that we're having with them the most isn't what i thought it would have been which is how do we we get to you know the public cloud quicker that's happening but it's really around they're totally bought off on there's a better way to do it and 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 now they're bought off on like okay how do we get there and how do we get OpenStack inside of our inside of our four walls um and so so it's clear to us on how we on, on how we help them with that. But at the same time, we made a decision um, about five years ago that we're not gonna be a vendor that's gonna be defensive about the public cloud. And most vendors, I think, viewed that as such a massive disruption to their business because sure, yeah. all vendors are on premise, that it means you're gonna do a set of unnatural things. You're gonna talk about the security's not there, you can't get your data there, you're gonna own your workload. But if you really believe that it's a it's a Fantastic model as a vendor, even if it's disruptive to your business, you should figure out how to be somebody that actually can make that more easily consumable by your customers. And so, that was a lot of where our investments is. Said, what can we do to allow them to get to the public cloud faster? And if we're the vendor that helps them do that, then we're going to be more meaningful in their enterprise, and everything else just gets worked out. So that and that influenced a lot of our like hybrid cloud technologies. And how do you do? Um, you know, cloud portals that integrate public cloud resources with private cloud resources, and helping IT—you know—making sure the you know the Red Hat Enterprise Linux supported on the public cloud means that our customers that have standardized on application stacks don't have to like. Report an app just to use a public cloud. So just removing the barriers, I think, that allows them to use public cloud.
2: So is that what a lot of the cloud forms announces about?
1: The cloud forms was around around the operational management. Exactly, It was that the first step was just making, you know, enterprise Linux work in a standardized way, so that if a customer wanted to float their subscription entitlements up, they could without without incurring more co- more, you know, operational cost on their behalf from a porting perspective or a tool perspective. Have a consistent stack. And then what we wanted was the um, what we but the problem with that was IT was not in control of that process. And so, you know, what we observed even at Red Hat was we just had people using public cloud, and our CIO was not involved in that whatsoever, right? And so we realized that <clears throat> like if we can if we can give the CIO the IT team tools to be, you know, the agent of change that's actually bringing public cloud resources and allowing them to be used. Easier, you know, more easily, inside of their environment, um, where that where they make sense, um, and that was the design behind behind Manage IQ and CloudForms is is just import thousands of cores from the public cloud, put them right beside VMware or right beside OpenStack, and then IT is actually presenting those out in a self service fashion to their lines of business, and um, and so it brings them back into control from a from a cost effective data management and and increases public cloud adoption. Very cool. From a, uh, to circle back around to OpenStack one
0: one more time, from an OpenStack perspective and from a Red Hat perspective, what needs to happen with OpenStack to kind of drive adoption? Because we are at, you know, a couple years in now, and everything is growing. But even like the keynote yesterday, interoperability was brought up by Troy and... and um, we still have a lot of operations issues in my opinion around OpenStack. Is that where the focus needs to be going forward or I, where would you where, it,
1: where where what best serves the customers? Yeah, I think that um I think interoperability is a concern, but that's not the it's not a that's not slowing adoption. Mm-hmm. And I think that I mean it's kind of like an analogy, right? VMware, right? In the early days, right, only game in town, right? Solved a huge problem, right? It was worth its money, built a big business on it. But nobody said don't deploy that because it's not interoperable with virtualization from X, Y, and Z, right? Because customers are like, yeah, okay, great, I'll worry about that when (laughs) we get there. But right Right. now, man, it's worth its weight, right? And so that's kind of where private cloud is right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if there was five different versions of private cloud right now and customers are deploying all of them and wanted better interoperability, I think we'll get there. I think, but right now it's it's the, the you know what's really holding it back um, is skills. Mm-hmm. Is that the it's really on the services side. And we're seeing that industry wide. We're seeing our customers don't have because it's so new, don't have the knowledge, don't have the skills. Um, you know, this cloud—it's not like they're going from one product to the other. Right. They've never done this thing before, and now you're doing it on a different technological code base. It's moving forward very quickly. Sure, partners are pivoting to it. Everybody's—you know—searching for the same you, mythical you need, unicorn. People. You need an industry
0: to go out and get the battle scars so that they can and then be consultants know, and be hired out uh, as the person who has the battle scars. It's, it's, <laughs> it's,
2: <laughs> <good point. laughs> that kind of reminds you of like early days of Linux or early days of Windows NT, where basically you could spell it. You yeah. could get a job. Yep. Well, I mean, that was
1: the that was the beginning of it. You know, one young you know person at you know, in college mm-hmm. that was wearing the red beret, right? And it was like, go get the guy with the red hat. He was the guy that knew Linux. <laughs> and so now you need the guy that's wearing the OpenStack hat. And there's just not enough of them. To, right. It's a good problem to have. It's just a uh, you know. So at the same time, it's, which is okay. At the same time, you're going through you know a, a technology maturation, mm-hmm. right? That's happening here mm-hmm. at the Design Summit with people working on the next steps, and then you're working on. You know, services skills, um, but I do believe interoperability. I mean, because that's that's the. I think everybody here is, is is signed up for a bigger mission. Nobody signed up to build one version of a cloud implementation that didn't work with anything else. If that's the case, then we just built the next generation of open VMware. That's not what we're signed as an industry. You know, we really want an interoperable platform that does that. You know, frees you from you know the the lock in that we've seen before in the past, and that means you know with public cloud as well as private cloud. Makes sense.
0: Now, let's switch over to another recent acquisition, um, Ceph acquisition, or well, think tank, I guess. Right? Yeah. Of, tell us a little bit about that, and I think the number one in question I get is, "Will they already have Gluster?" It's <laughs> oh, <yeah. That's> true, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so help us out with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: it, you know the way. I think what it is is a double down. It's 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 our belief that you know scale out of storage on you know through software delivery software models right makes sense right so to us that's an inevitability right with or without red hat that you know I in mean, the same way that i remember you're doing the same objection handling on i can never run my application on a piece of x86 machinery that's the toy that's what i have at home that's what i put windows on for my desktop i can't run that in a server room and now you're building mission critical applications in every vertical on 86 hardware the same thing is going to happen with storage right mm-hmm. it's going to be that same fundamental building block you know um you know yeah, with storage and you're going to achieve resiliency and scale through architecture and not through sheet metal yeah. and so so that's our sort belief of is the the era of sort of that tin wrapped software yeah. you know is coming to a close and you, mm-hmm. now you got to build s- scale out architectures on that same common platform so we believe in that um but we don't believe that it's just a one and done approach to the industry that there's different use cases different operational performance different types of apps that because of that there's going to be a lot of investments going to have to happen it's not a one product and then you own a market right. and so so Glusser was the you know the first you know acquisition for us on that, because you know, they it wasn't like we just sat in a lab and said, What do we want to build? Here was a company that had had a great community and they were running, you know, all of Pandora, right, on top of their architecture. I'm like, well, that's pretty meaningful. They're doing something right. <laughs> right. And um so then we, so so, you know, Gluster's fantastic and then along comes Ceph and we actually had looked at Ceph even back when we looked at Gluster, it was just too young. You know, it was really, you know, a couple of years ago it was really just getting rolling, getting its integration with Linux kernel. Um, and we said, you know what? This market's too big. We don't. we can't wait. Now all of a sudden, they they're highly complementary because what we've seen is clusters predominant adoptions around file. Okay. So yeah. the predominant adoptions for applications and content clouds mm-hmm. with you know file interface. And then what Ceph has done? <coughs> excuse me. What well, didn't start that way? It. Um, you know what Ceph really did was. What Ceph really did was from a software scale out. They actually built around an object model, so right. the fundamental basis on that was an object model, and on top of that, they built block, and then they got dragged into this thing called OpenStack. <laughs> right? So right. it wasn't like they were trying right. to build. <coughs> excuse me. It wasn't that they were trying to build, you know, the block layer for OpenStack? Right. Is that the technological architecture of Ceph was so well suited mm-hmm. as a block device mm-hmm. in OpenStack deployments? They got pulled in. So, so here is I was. Talking to them last night, I was like, so how many people, you know, amazing, you guys are the, I think 20% uh, by survey of OpenSec deployments are using Ceph, so I was like, man, they must have a huge team on it. They have one guy on that. Right, right. <laughs> but that's what's interesting about that is it shows you that it's the community and the right. use case pulling in technology where it makes sense, instead of a vendor trying to drive their technology into something that's unnatural. Yep. And so for that, it's like highly complementary. So now we have. More tools to solve that software-defined storage layer from yeah. object, block, and file.
2: And yeah. So I have I have a couple of two questions. One's technologic technology wise, uh, wise, and one business wise, so sales wise. Right. One is is there some intent at some point to take Gluster and and Ceph and merge them together in some way to a single in the single project or product. Right. And two, you know, uh, there is obviously still some overlap between the two two projects and two products. So how do you help the sales in the field rationalize that? Yeah, I and mean, there's overlap, yeah, there's sometimes confusion, right, in yeah. the field.
1: And, 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 it's, and it's fair, just the fact that you're asking it, obviously there is some confusion. Mm-hmm. So the first part is recognizing that there's some confusion and then helping guide um, sales along that mm-hmm. line. And, and we're doing that based on where we've seen each you know product be successful. Okay. So how do we, like, you know, because I think it's true of any vendor, right? The last thing you want to do is drive technology where it's going to be a failure. Right, you're going to spend a lot of time. You're going to get an unhappy customer, and so for us, even we've already done that with cluster red hat storage. Is like, okay, how do we assess the what they wanted, what a customer wants to do with it? Because it's very different. It's not like rolling in a, a sand, right? And so we really come in and look at the application and the architecture of what they want to solve. And we walk away from a Gluster perspective if we know it's not going to be successful there. And so we have to do the exact same thing now with Ceph. It's just start, now all of a sudden we realize there's a broader set of use cases that we can solve because the portfolio is broader and they're both very different. Um, and now we just look like, what use case is it, and sometimes that's going to point you know, a sales team to, to Gluster and sometimes it's going to point them to Seth. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, <clears throat> when it comes to, again, going back to along the same lines, putting pieces together, you know, multiple ways of you're really almost creating a converged infrastructure, but for software. Of you know, again, you know, Ken and I both come from a VCE background, and so we've got a very big converged infrastructure hardware background. But it almost seems like, again, going back to if everything's going on commodity hardware, you've got all these pieces of software, you almost have a converged infrastructure software layer all yep. of a sudden, yep. right? And does that mean with Red Hat with these pieces, is that? Reference architectures to help customers go faster? Is this a product suite to help customers go faster? Like, what are the customers asking you for?
1: You know, so I always say we're a horizontal computing company, horizontal infrastructure, right? And in in part because that's what drives choice, right? And so if you look at (laughs) building cross-platform technologies and cross-platform solutions, um, if we were totally verticalized, we would be overly prescriptive. So we'd say, nah, it's this hardware over here. It's always going to look like this. It's going to have these speeds and fees. You know, we're going to wire it all in and dial it in. Um, we chose not to do that because you know, what I always say is we can be the one thing that stays the same so everything else can be different. Mm-hmm. And that's what really drives value for IT is the fact that, look, when Cisco invest, you know, invested in a, in a new platform around UCS, um, in the old model, the the ability to deliver that into an existing enterprise IT environment meant there was huge change for an IT organization. You know, different software stacks, different system management tools, different applications that were had to be they got to skip all of that. They just slipped in because we had worked with them so long on for Red Hat Linux that they just slipped underneath. And so customers got the benefit of that innovation instantly without incurring costs in other ways. But you don't get a pass on great integration just because you're a horizontal provider. Sure. And so that's the, that's where the like you just said we have a whole team that does reference architectures. Um, we work partners doing reference architectures. We, we're in Cisco. We, we, you know, um, you, you mentioned VCE. Um, that's what's still needed in the land of horizontal computing. Yep. Right. Yes. You still need great companies like that that just say you know what we're going to build the right we're going to use the right horizontal components because that's what gives IT choice and and freedom from lock in and we're going to add the best. You know, integration around those set of technologies that makes sense for my market.
2: So, is that what some of the (coughs) Dell partnerships about?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I think that that and and Dell recognized that really quickly, and they just said, you know what, you know, customers do care what the payload of the stack looks like. Mm -hmm. They absolutely do. And so, Dell recognized that, and they said, and we're going to be the best ones to deliver that payload in a, you know, out of the box, everything just works, completely integrated, in a more prescriptive fashion. Mm Right. Yeah, and.
0: So disclaimer for everyone that that doesn't know out there, I switched jobs a couple weeks ago, and I now work for Solid Fire. Um, and yeah, listen to the OpenStack keynote today, because by the time this publishes, uh, you know it will be released, and I won't be giving up information I'm not supposed to. Um, <laughs> So go listen to the keynote because there's some interesting stuff between Red Hat and Dell and SolidFire awesome. coming out today. I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. It's a lot of love going around. Yeah, this. exactly. But no, I, you know, we I, we don't tend to mix the podcast and the, and the day job. But you know, I am sitting in the SolidFire room <laughs> recording this right now. So quick plug for them. Um, all right. So, can any other questions before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think I'm good. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So we're out of time for this week. So, Brian, where can everyone follow you, follow Red Hat, find out more about what's going on? Oh, my
1: gosh. I don't even know how to answer that question. How can people stalk <laughs> you? How right. can they stalk me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm an advent on, on Twitter. And, okay. you know, but, I mean, I, to me, I, I try not to have that. You know, outward presence, I think that the real value that you can deliver in this role is is with customers, with partnerships, and inside the four walls. And so that's where I tend to stay. Awesome. Very cool.
0: Alright, so if you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net, where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone.